This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. joining i hope you guys are having a good week please make sure to subscribe hit the bell like this video this allows me to provide you more free content okay so this week i am very excited i have three carnivore men with me i hope that this video provides you a lot of resources and it gives you a little bit of anecdotal evidence and even the scientific evidence of why carnivore may be the most optimal diet All right, let's get right into it. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy, and today I'm very excited. I have three carnivore men with me, and we are going to talk about all your favorite Q&As about the carnivore diet. So, Travis, Brett, Chris, thanks for joining me today. But if we can just kind of go around and、um, introduce yourselves and what got you into the carnivore diet. Hi, I'm Brett. I've、uh, been carnivore now for almost 22 months. And、uh, I started eating this way because I was rightfully told I could lose 40 plus years of mental illness symptoms. And、uh, I successfully achieved that by following the directions. And、uh, I've been blessed in every way possible. And it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Chris, do you want to go? Sure.、Uh, my name is Chris Bath.、Uh, um, I've been a carnivore for just over two years last week. Um, I started this way of eating because I was a metabolic disaster and、uh, I had diabetes. I had all kinds of health issues.、Um, and I needed to get my diet right, lose a bunch of weight. And through research, I found this way of eating and it was a perfect fit for me. And it's been great ever since. Thank you. Um, hey, I'm Travis Statham. And、uh, so I read a Gary Taubes book back in 2012, and I was a little slightly overweight after college on the standard American diet. And read that book and really changed my diet and my life. And then three years ago, I heard about Sean Baker while、um, moderating on Keto Science on Reddit. And just dove, in, dove into the research, found it all, joined all the Facebook groups. 
and really like was convinced from the get-go that the movement had the right things in mind and uh i'm still here i've i've become a moderator of world car world carnivore tribe and um been trying to spread as much knowledge out there as possible um travis why don't you talk a little bit about the carnivore study that's going on from harvard right now yeah so um in 2018, Belinda Lennertz and David Ludwig, these uh, doctors from Harvard Boston Children's Center, released a study called, uh, it was like type 1 diabetes and how you can manage it with basically being part of a Facebook group. And that Facebook group was called Type 1 Grit. And they basically showed that ch- like children, uh, kids of you know adults that had type 1 uh, diabetes were... Uh, doing ketogenic diets and keeping very stable um, blood glucose curves and not having hypoglycemic events. And they basically just did a survey in a Facebook group and had like these amazing results. And that study was like the the most important study on that, in that journal website in 2018 and still like a top five, like in the 95, 95th or 97th percentile. So the survey is like a cheap way to basically do science. It's not like a real like like uh, like intervention. But the thing is, we can still basically ask like you weren't on carnivore before and now you are, and you can show like the difference it had in your life. Um, we're looking for people in the six plus month range in terms of like really committing to the diet. But we still encourage people to kind of take the survey, even if they're in like the three plus mark um, and it, it, or at least to sign up and be like part of the, the whole survey altogether. Um, we'll we'll kind of email you if we end up asking for more information. And so this survey takes about half an hour. Um, it's really easy to do. And the best part is you don't need any special information or details from your doctor to do it but we would love to have it if you do um so i think so far we've had about 300 people sign up to have uh their before and after labs like taken um and either they've already taken those labs kind of in the past and they they have them it's just kind of like a difference between you before on the diet and then like six months plus afterwards and the the whole point of the survey is to get all these anecdotes into one place that matters and that can investigate them with a kind of a new light and say like actually ask the question like are humans facultative carnivores and that's like finally the first time someone's going to be asking that no i so sean baker and i have been helping design like the survey questions and kind of make sure they ask the, like the right things because like you can't do a typical nutrition survey and have three ounces of meat be like the, the maximum survey size. So um, we're, we're going to really try and get, get the you know, little discrepancies, the, the, the differences in points of view, and then publish it as a real study in a real peer-reviewed paper. So um, if you want to become part of it, uh, head on over to the link, which uh, magically might appear here. Um, no, well, I'll put it in it, the show notes so that everyone it's, uh, can on it. It's just is.gd slash capital C carnivore, carnivore survey. Um, I've already memorized it because I've typed it into a bunch of a bunch of images already. And uh, 
And uh, yeah, I mean, share it. Uh, we need to get this out there. Um, it's going to be out for another month or two. And once you start, you have a month to take it. So uh, we also are kind of evaluating in the background how the, uh, like the COVID-19 kind of issue is affecting, you know, test, test, test taking. So um, really like get your results in now. And then if you want and you have the ability to like get further blood work, get it later, you know. Um, just really be be part of like the the full part of the study, and then if you have extra data, we, we can use it. Um, I I actually took the quiz myself, and um, I saw that you can actually submit the questionnaire without giving any of your blood work. So if you say that you don't have that data, as long as you have kind of like your before and after in terms of your physical and mental symptoms and like what you eat versus what you ate before. I mean, it's still data. Like if you just say, well, I can't be part of it because I don't have my, you know, like blood work from before carnivore and after carnivore, that's okay. It's still some data points are still, you know, right. Like, would you, you agree? I mean, I think, you know, oh, yeah. and, participating and, is better than none. And honestly, like, it's been difficult for me as I've gotten involved with this movement. Like, how do I define myself what carnivore is? Is it a fat or protein percentage? Is it a zero-carb thing? Is it a plant thing? Is it a spice thing? And I think everyone has these little issues that we don't really know how best to define it. So part of the survey is to kind of, like, get that definition in place so that the next time we want to study this, we can say, like, hey, you know, like, 80% of people eat two meals a day and 80% of people eat beef, lamb and pork and, you know, 10% eat raw. And like, you can pick which part of this like segment you want to be, but just know that, you know, all, all this like variation, you know, we're, we're human and everyone has a little, little twist on even this kind of amazing diet. Right. I mean, you have to find what works for you. Some people still include maybe, you know, some seasoning, some people may include, you know, some, a little bit of sweetener. I don't know, but I mean, you, like you said, I mean, you have to figure out what works for you, but I think in general, we can all agree that a very meat based meat focused diet is what is the optimal diet for humans. Um, and so, you know, thank you for sharing. I'll add the link again to the survey and it didn't take me 30 minutes. So, I mean, you know, I think uh, it it should take you 15 to 20 if you're kind of quick. Um, also, if you already have like a big meat heel story or something, you want to kind of like obfuscate it a little bit, you can basically just paste it in there. Yeah. And we have like a big paragraph thing. And we also have a place for feedback. So um, if you have problems with any of the questions or you felt like they didn't get asked the right way, like we've had some questions about condiments and like whether they mean like salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually did on my first draft, like have all these extra questions like, because I knew condiments might be sweet and they might be savory. They might right. be hard to define. Um, and I didn't want to get that kind of detail lost in the, in the woodwork. Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. Okay, well, thank you again. I mean, you know, 
I think we've given guidance. So hopefully, you know, a lot of you will just be part of the survey so that we can get studies out so that when people are like, no, meat-based is not evidence-based. Well, if we get this into peer review, then we can say, actually, there's a study done that, you know, talks about all these carnivorous people eating this way and how much it's benefited their health. Um, okay, so moving on, you know, I've d done this kind of panel with the carnivore women. And so people have asked for a carnivore men version. And so I just wanted to ask you guys some common questions that I get. And so we can start off with kind of what do you guys eat in a day? And has this changed since from the, you know, very onset of being carnivore into carnivore today? So Brett, if you want to start. Sure. Uh, I eat very different today than when I started when I began. I was eating a lot of steak and eggs and bacon. I, I decided early on that I would always have two meats instead of one because in my research before I started this way of eating, I observed that a lot of people complained about getting bored. And I thought about that. I wanted to succeed at this. And I thought, well, I could intellectually understand that. So I thought about it and came to the conclusion bacon was never my favorite meat, but I could never recall a time that I didn't have bacon and, and enjoy the meal. So I made it a, a purposeful point at the very beginning to always include bacon, but I ate a variety of meats in the beginning. Uh, like I said, eggs and steak and bacon, and then fish uh, and bacon, pork and bacon, um, in various combinations. But then in December of 2018, I discovered that very lean ground beef is extremely satisfying for me to eat with my bacon. And uh, since December of 2018, with maybe two or three on the road type of exclusions, that's all I've eaten. Every meal is ground beef, lean ground beef and bacon. And I love every bite of every meal every day. And when you say lean, what do you know what the percentages are? I do. I, 90-10 and 93-7 are my preferred ones. I can eat 85-15. Uh, I was out of town for a month here recently, and 85-15 uh, was available. So that's what I ate, and I did just fine. When I, I find when I eat 80-20, the taste is very unsatisfying. It's not filling. Really? It's, it's not a, a comfortable experience for me eating 80-20 anymore. What, what exactly is the uncomfortableness? Is it just, I mean, I know you said that the taste isn't as satisfying, but is it? The taste isn't, there's no there there. It's hard to, to, to put into words why the 9010 and the 93 is more satisfying. I feel like I'm, I'm complete when I eat that. When I eat the 8020, it doesn't taste as good, and I, I feel like I'm missing out on something. Okay. That's as best I can explain it. Sure. What about you, Chris? Um, when I started, so steak has always been my favorite food, even when I used to eat terrible before, but it was, you know, potatoes and bread and ice cream afterwards, that whole, the whole story, right? So um, when I knew I could eat steak all the time, that was always my anchor to every meal. And when I started, I would eat uh, usually somewhere around two pounds of steak, and I would have bacon, cheese different things like that on the side of it. Sometimes mix it up with shrimp or uh, if I only had, you know, a pound of steak, I might have a couple of burger patties or something like that with it. And it's pretty much stayed the, that way the whole time. Over time, I gradually started 
cutting back a little bit on the bacon and the cheese and trying to eliminate that because I felt like it uh, it was more hyper palatable. So I would eat more mm -hmm. of it unnecessarily and my progress would stop and things like that. So um, uh, now today, I, it's pretty much I need two pounds of beef. Um, my favorite cut is a New York strip or picanha if I can get that. And I just make two pounds of it. Or if I want a budget, I'll make a pound of it and then a pound of ground beef. And I'll go with that. Do you, um, do you focus on any of the macros either? Like, do you feel better doing higher protein, lower fat? I only focus on it in that when I, when I started, I ate ribeyes every day. So ribeyes and bacon was pretty much my staple. And then at a point when I, I kind of uh, hit a wall, mm -hmm. I switched to uh, New York strip and I cut out the bacon or I have sirloin or I would mix it up a little bit. Some days I'd have a ribeye or higher fat. Some days I'd have leaner fat and then my progress would start going again. Uh, and I just developed a taste and a satisfaction with the, the New York strip. And uh, I know that's pretty a little better than one-to-one -one more protein than fat. Um, so it's a little leaner than a ribeye. Um, uh, but it's just enough fat for me to have enough energy and enough protein for, for my body. And I'm satisfied with that, that cut. Um, sometimes though, I will cycle up the fat, especially if I, if I feel like, uh, I need more energy or I'm going to be more active or something like that. I might eat a little more fat for a couple days. And then, uh, if I'm, um, putting on a couple extra because of the holidays and I've ate some cheese, then I'll, I might do sirloin uh, mm -hmm. and shrimp for a week or something like that. Pretty similar to like what you see Sean Baker doing or something, you know, right. when he alternates between like uh, ribeyes and then you'll see him go on to like a fish and uh, sirloin type routine to lean down. What about you, Travis? Um, yeah. So I have like a, like I was doing keto since 2012 on and off. So I've kind of been like struggling how to get the high fat meats in for like years, basically my whole like post-college adult life. And so I've been doing tons of cooking, um, ground beef, steaks, uh, salmon, uh, pork chops. I really like lamb now. It's like my favorite meat. So lamb shoulders and like the cheaper lamb loins when you can get them. Um, and I kind of want to like lock down a better source of that. And I kind of like, I'm always changing my, uh, I don't know, like my access to meat and trying to find like better options. So, uh, it just makes it interesting, you know, like finding different butchers and, but I mean, I do have like a pretty confident, uh, like, a pretty like locked in habit these days. And, uh, I think we all do carnivore with our significant others, right? And I think that helps a lot too, like simplifying it. Um, well, I don't know about you, Julie. Uh. <laughs> I was going to say not me, but okay. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I think all of your wives do carnivore, right? So, or your girlfriend. Um, but do you focus on any, you know, you were saying that you do keto um, since 2012. So, um, so like I when I went carnivore in like 2017, yeah, I would just like, I was already making like onions and like light salads and stuff, but I basically just like dropped those out and, you know, just like, so, and then I kind of would like find higher fat meats. So I, I don't like really buying like pure fat, but I do try and find like the highest fat meats possible. 
and consume about a pound and a half to two pounds of that a day. And I agree too with you guys, like if you work out more, you spend more energy, then you should need more fat. And I think that's like kind of a, a lesson I learned even back at, when I read uh, The Fat of the Land. Mm-hmm. And when you are, you know, like pushing a sleigh over the snow, you're going to need two pounds of pemmican. But if you're hanging out in an igloo all day, you need less than a pound, you know. And that's why I like really love like the history of this whole diet because uh, I think a lot of the things we, we argue about today has kind of been already kind of decided. It's really interesting talking to you men instead of the women because I think for women with our, you know, more, I guess, um, elaborate hormones, um, if a lot of women, when and not all, but many women, when they go too lean of meat, um, so I don't see many women um, like Brett um, consuming like the 93.7 or the 90.10 because um, I've noticed that women just feel really fatigued and they're low energy. Um, they may have the low moods. And so it's interesting talking to you uh, with, you know, that's not as much of an issue. And so it's just whatever makes you feel better, that's what you'll eat. And I mean, women should do that too. But one of the biggest pools that women can use is upping the fat and that'll help the hormonal health. So it's very interesting that it's, I guess, not as big of a deal for you men, which makes it very lucky for you guys. Um, so in general, do you do you guys add any sort of plants in your diet? Do you, you know, occasionally have like a dark piece of chocolate, some fruit, avocado? Um, Brett, do you want to go? And then why not, maybe? I, I have not consumed any plant matter since July 16, 2018, and I have absolutely zero desire to reintroduce, to try, to test. I have no curiosity about it whatsoever because I eat this way for sanity. And there's no flavor. There's no texture in on planet earth worth me risking my sanity for. So I have no interest whatsoever in ever reintroducing plants into my diet. So do you ever crave it though? Like, you you know, a lot of times we have turned to sugar and carbs our whole lives because of coping mechanisms or stress or, you know, we celebrate with sugar and then we cry with sugar, right? So in those moments, have you, like, do you ever crave it? And if you ever I, have, like, what I, do you use? Since the 10th day, 10th or 11th day of carnivore, I've not had any cravings. I eat to complete satiety every time I eat. I don't snack. I don't miss anything I used to eat. In fact, just going to the grocery store now, I've I've noticed to get to the meat counter, sometimes you got to walk through the aisle of death, you know, the cereal aisle. And just (laughs) smelling that stuff makes me very uncomfortable. It's extremely unpleasant. And I view all that stuff the same way as I would a bottle of bleach. <laughs> I, I just have no interest in poisoning myself in any way, shape, or form. And there's no reason to do so that I can see. Yeah, I mean, I always say that it's either um, divine intervention or abject misery that will make somebody change and, like, change their diet. And, you know, I believe you and I both struggled with the mental health and that abject misery was enough for you to just, you know, stay a carnivore. So I totally get it. Uh, what about you, Chris? Um, the only thing I guess you could consider plants that I have now would be some seasonings that I put on my steak. Uh, I use a little, some adobo, 
seasoning that has a little garlic and uh, pepper and turmeric in it, I think, and some smoked paprika. And that's it. I mean, I'm not going to say that in two years. I haven't had sure, sure. something. But uh, never, never with any frequency. Uh, that stuff, like like Brett said, it's like bleach. And uh, I didn't come from to this from the mental health perspective, you know. But sometimes I envy Brett's um, thought process. My head, when I walk through that aisle, you know, drool starts coming out. You know, I have to, I always have to fight that, even though it's easy for me to fight that on this way of eating. You know, the, there's no physical cravings, but I do still have to. To tell my the, this side of my brain, you know, nope, and keep walking, you know. I I got it too, Travis. Um, wait. Uh, uh, plants. It's any plant plants. In your diet. So yes. Um. So I a, a decent amount of spices on most of the meat I cook. Um. I always do salt and pepper, and then I do like garlic or paprika. Um, lately I've been using fresh garlic, which is like a step up. I don't almost ever do that. Um, but it's been tasty. I, I have to admit, and I've been using rosemary, which like adds a lot of flavor into meat. Um, and then I do have chalk, like dark chocolate every once in a while. And because I've kind of been in this for a long time, like I know exactly what happens when I cheat. So I can gain 20 pounds if I cheat. And I feel awful for like three or four days. And then like, I know I can basically jump right back in the carnivore and get back down to my low weight in two to three weeks of like fasting and carnivore and just being really strict and like kind of doing some, some working out. And I've done this like many times over my, like the last eight years because, um, you know, like you, you go home for a weekend on a Friday and then like you, you have dinner with your family and then you're there all weekend. And, and the problem I think with keto is like, if you do pop that like cork, you realize like you're out of the ketosis range after like 20 grams and like you can't get back to it after a couple of days. So it is kind of like something to be, be wary of, especially I think it's a really good point about carnivore is that if you stay topped up, like Brett was saying, and you're really satisfied all the time, you're never going to want that extra junk food. So like if in that example, you go home, but you had like a big steak at 4 p.m. And you go home and like you, you can like nibble on some meat, but you're like not at all hungry for like the extra stuff. So you really got to like plan ahead and realize like, all right, I really want to stick to this diet. I got to be like, like cover all my bases before I enter the, like the environment that's going to cause me to cheat. Um, what about fasting? Uh, do any of you guys fast? Um, you know, have you ever fasted in this whole process of going carnivore? And then Brett, if you want to start. I have, I fasted for 12 hours and learned a very poignant lesson. It was for a blood test. Okay. And I also learned previously to that blood test that meat is not just my food. It's my medicine. I had a job selling cell phones in a big box store and I was really enjoying it because I wasn't crazy. I was back at work. I was making pretty good money, but I couldn't eat when I was hungry. And after two weeks 
of this job. And the only thing that was different, I was still eating the same kind of food, the same amount, etc. I just couldn't eat when I was hungry during the day at work. And uh, two weeks into it, my wife and I get into a disagreement. And I just remember thinking at one point, we're really putting a lot of energy into this, but I'm making some good points. Let's see where this goes. And finally, she throws up her hands and says, you sound just like you used to. You're not making any sense whatsoever. And for me, part of my diagnosis was major depression with psychotic features. I become unable to accurately perceive my environment. What people say is not what I hear, etc. And that had come back. And that was the only thing that had changed was I couldn't eat when I was hungry. And so I had to give that job up because there's no amount of money worth risking my sanity for. And with the 12 hour fast for the blood test, even though we had bacon in a bag for me to start literally shoving in my mouth on the way to the car after they drawn the blood. And I still was like a day and a half trying to, I started having, you know, inappropriate, thoughts about having conversations I shouldn't have sort of stuff that, that I just know and recognize is part of my old crazy coming back. So I cannot fast. For me, fasting equals disaster. Something meat does, crosses a bridge, completes a relay, whatever. Maybe it has to do with being in ketosis. I don't know. I don't care at this point. I just won't risk it ever again. How early, um, those two experiences, how early on was it as part of your carnivore uh, journey? The, uh, the thing with the cell phones in the big box store, I was, let's see, July to April. However, July to April, however many months that is. Because okay. I was working there, I was actually working there on, uh, on Good Friday a year ago. Okay. And, uh. So it was around that time, and I started in July of 2018. So oh, that's wow. when that happened. And then it, the, I did the blood work in November of 2019 is when I had that experience. So I'd already been carnivore well over a year by the second experience. And there won't be a third one. <laughs> okay, thank you. What about you, Chris? Uh, I do fast. Um, I fast. I used fasting a lot more in the beginning, so I came from uh, you know, a very sick place. I had type 2 diabetes, um, and I was kind of a mess, and one of the people I found at the beginning was Dr. Jason Fong, and so I learned a lot from him and a lot of his inf information, and I used fasting as a tool to help me not only, you know, let my body heal and help me lose some of that fat, body fat, but uh, also coming from like a food-addicted place and not being able to control myself, it was really helpful for me to put up those like bumper rails around myself. And even though I'm not hungry during that time on fasting, even to this day, I still intermittently fast, you know, I eat once a day. Um, if I just allowed myself to go grab something anytime I felt like it, I would be eating for emotional reasons, not because I'm hungry. Uh, I still don't, I eat enough in my meal that I don't get hungry until the next day, um, 22, 23 hours or so before I really start to feel like I'm hungry. And uh, I still use that mental guide, mental barrier to say, okay, you know, you're not eating till 10:30 AM tomorrow morning to, to keep myself in check in a way, you know, I don't feel like it's, I don't feel like I'm not eating when I'm hungry because I do eat when I'm hungry. It takes that long. I'm not eating for emotional reasons. And it's more that control for me at least than anything. 
Um, and I periodically still will do like a 48 or even longer um, faster than that if I need to kind of reset myself or, or if I put on a couple of extra pounds or something like that. Yeah, so um, I almost always have two meals a day, but sometimes one. And it's kind of just based on either how much coffee I drink or like what I have access to or it's like it's not really like a habit in any way it's just kind of like uh sometimes I'll feel like I have uh eaten too much the day before I'm just like not that extra hungry and like uh I mean like when you know that you're not going to be in like risky environments then I think it's fine to fast um if you're going I mean, like, let's say you go home on that Friday night and there's, uh, like, all these, you know, goodies to try. Like, it'd be great if you could just say no the entire time. But, like, it's it's kind of easy to say yes, you know, um, just how I know humans are. And um, so, like, choose wisely. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Um, I... I, try, I think fasting does make me feel better and it definitely helps me lose weight. So I do it kind of whenever possible and I don't feel like it's a bad thing in the long run. Sure. So, I mean, what I'm hearing from you, Chris and Travis, is that you use fasting for different tools as a maybe like a weight loss lover or, you know, in times that you may just have to kind of manage weight or, you know, for even the emotional side. Um, you know, I hear from you, Brett, that you're just saying that, you know what, it didn't work for me and it made some of my previous symptoms kind of come back. Um, in general, I kind of, you know, lie between it really is bio-individual. I think there's a lot of information and evidence out there that fasting can do wonders, right? It can make you more insulin sensitive. It can help you lose weight. It can help reverse a lot of the metabolic disease. But with all that said, you also have to be aware of where you come from. So if you are very triggered from like previous eating disorders or disordered eating, then some people use um, fasting as a tool to kind of, hey, I'm gonna go wild with my eating and then I'm just gonna reel it back with almost a kind of like a, um, a consequence, like this penalty you have to pay and then by fasting. And, and then there's other people that may use it because um, they can't regulate what they're eating or, um, or, you know, they're just trying to perpetuate this like eating disorder. So I really think that if you use fasting for the right reasons, it's a great tool to have, um, especially if you've under ate your whole life, if you've messed up your metabolic rate, it is a way to heal some of that. Um, and then there's, you know, all the autophagy benefits and all those other things and cleaning out your cells. I mean, sometimes we should have our digestive system rest so that then our body can kind of do other work in the body. But I think you have to know yourself to use fasting because like Brett said, it may not do better. Um, sometimes like when I fast too long, sometimes I notice like I overeat in the next meal or the last meal that I'm about to start a fast. So, you know, know yourself. Um, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just knowing yourself and finding what it you know, how it may work as a tool. Okay, so the next question I wanted to ask you guys is about supplements. Um, do any of you guys supplement? Do you guys use electrolytes? Uh, Brett, if you want to start. I, I, I have used consistently a magnesium. First, it was magnesium spray, and now I use a lotion on my lower calves and ankles and feet. Uh, I thought it might be a salt issue. I tried in the beginning increasing my salt intake. 
Uh, I played around with electrolytes in the beginning, but I since came to the conclusion after talking to some 10 year plus carnivores like Kelly Hogan, Dana shoot that it just crops up now and then. And so I just keep the lotion close by. I, I, I use it in the evenings before I go to bed and I don't really have a problem outside of that. I, I don't use anything else. Um, I do not take any supplements. I, I, I salt my food pretty heavily. Um, people saw the amount of salt I eat on my, on my meal. They'd probably, their eyes would be really wide. But uh, um, other than that, I don't, I do have some magnesium in a bottle that occasionally I'll take. Um, um, one of the things I was concerned with coming into this was how my heart was, you know, and I haven't had a coronary artery calcium scan, which I would love to do, but they won't let me here. Um, so I, I heard that I heard that that and the K2 is good for, you know, helping reverse calcification if you have it. And I don't know that I do or not. So I, I took that for a while and occasionally will take that it helps me sleep at night sometimes. Um, but really, other than that, I don't, I don't take anything on any regular basis, no. Yeah, it makes sense that both of you guys. So we, um, I also use magnesium spray on occasion. I put it on my kids for them to relax because magnesium is what allows our muscles to relax. And so, I mean, it makes sense why you guys are using it. The magnesium spray is also like a Epsom salt in a bottle. So it makes sense. What about you, Travis? Also something that would have been in our water. You know, prehistorically, we would have had different water that would have had a lot of these electrolytes naturally in them. And now we have fluoride in it instead of magnesium. And and, so. and chlorine, yes. Yes. <laughs> and heavy metals and uh, <laughs> a bunch of other things. But yes, you're right. You're right. It's um, in our grounds and our water. We should have had a lot of these electrolytes that we are now deficient in. Unfortunately. I've always thought, I've always, not to interrupt, but I've always thought if you have to take supplements, your diet's not right. So if we're looking at it from like a prehistoric perspective of what a proper human diet would be, we wouldn't need any, any uh, um, supplementation. But people say, well, you put salt on your food. I said, well, if I'm prehistoric, you know, I'm killing an animal and I'm getting a lot of blood that has a lot of sodium in it. And I'm drinking water from the stream over here that has magnesium in it. So maybe I need to supplement those two things. But other than that, it I makes a lot of sense. I, I, right. I agree. As long as, so one, one, my only one caveat to that is gut healing. So like if you have a lot of gut damage, then you might not be breaking down your proteins into the proper amino acids to then, you know, do all the works of absorbing our nutrients and such. So I think once you have gut health, I totally agree. I don't think anyone should have to supplement long-term. Right. Obviously so repairing, some, repairing something that's broken, you know, that's, that's an appropriate situation. Right. You could use like supplements to heal like somehow uh, those those, like deficiencies, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't really take any supplements. Uh, I salt kind of heavily and I don't really have many issues. Um, I drink a lot of coffee. Uh, Just started getting this bones coffee recently and it's really tasty. Um, But it's kind of like amazing how, how bad, how uh, fruity they can make this coffee taste now. You know, it's like, like yeah, you can experience all like the plant wonders basically through one bean, <laughs> like wow. the the different like strawberry shortcake and stuff. You know, oh, does it have natural flavors as the ingredients? I think they're just normal beans, but the way they roast them, they you know like I was joking that like because we're carnivores now, like we have like 
um this like high-end like dark chocolate taste we have all this high-end meat taste and we have like high-end whiskey and uh yeah like even even our salt is like we we're we're always trying to like maximize everything because there's only so many things you can you can do in this diet i don't know for you if you guys notice it but my sense of smell is on another level so when you're pregnant you smell everything because and the thought is that you know as you're carrying your baby you want to make sure that you eat foods that are not rotten so you don't get sick and then get your fetus sick um but i feel that my scent is always that strong now so any little smell it's like i don't you know it's very intoxicating even if someone's wearing perfume or cologne or um, just anything, I, I could just, my sense of smell is so heightened. I don't know if you guys have found that too. I have a deviated septum, so my sense of smell is about this far from my nose, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Have you guys noticed that, Chris or Travis? Have you noticed your sense of smell at all? I think so, yeah. Um, but I, um, I hesitate to do so because it's tough to quantify. Sure. Um, I feel like mine... I'm not sure because I had a lot of allergy issues before I started this way of eating. So smell was always a problem then. And that all resolved pretty quickly after I stopped eating plants. So um, it opened up my nose and I could smell much better. But I don't know if it's a function of the symptoms from before or from something else. So um, one sign that your gut has been healing is your allergies going away. So, you know, a lot of our allergies is because of an overreactive immune system, which is in our gut or 80% in our gut. And so as we heal our gut and we don't eat foods that, you know, kind of mess with our gut, which are like the sugary foods, the grains and such, um, and the anti-nutrients, um, then we are able to then better manage our immune system is stronger to manage the outdoor allergies. So then you would have less allergies. So I mean, that's just a sign that you've been healing. So that's amazing. So one of the next questions I want to ask is, um, you know, some people think that this is just a temporary diet as they sort of heal their autoimmune, figure out what foods work best for them. What do you guys think? Um, do you guys think that, you know, most people would benefit doing carnivore long term or it's just a temporary kind of like diet, you know, fix? Uh, what do you think, Brett? Well, for me, it's forever. I mean, what am I going to, you know, I have the choice. I could stay happy and healthy and sane, or I can go back to madness. That's, you know, that's not a hard choice for me. Uh, and, and my wife, you know, she healed arthritis in her shoulders. She no longer suffers from that. And she knows if she goes back and eats, it's just all going to come back on her. So she doesn't want to go through that nightmare again. I think for most people, if you've gotten into this to heal something, you're going to recognize you need to stick with it because otherwise it's going to come back. And there's no guarantee that once it comes back that you can get rid of it again. I just don't feel like that, that if you got into this because you were sick, because you were miserable, because you were broken in some fashion because of your poor previous diet, I, I, don't, I think it's going to be less likely for somebody to, to give it up after they've gotten well. But then sugar is very addictive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What about you, Chris? Um, you know, using that word diet gets thrown around, and I don't like that word because it sure. sounds temporary. It's like a, a, a short-term thing. For me, you know, I was in such a bad place 
that I have to do this and I enjoy it. So it's best of both worlds for me. I don't have a problem when I think about having to do this for the rest of my life. That doesn't bother me one bit because I love it so much. So not only the foods that I'm eating, but how it makes me feel. So for me, it's, you know, there's no other choice for me. I, you know, eating regular junk made me sick and miserable. So that's not an option. Hmm. So um, I would consider looking at this problem or this idea from the point of view of like, if humans are facultative carnivores, then that basically is saying that like, you'll feel best if you're eating only meat or animal products or whatever. And like, once you try carnivore and you feel what that 100% baseline is, then you know, like you've got that, um, that like tool set or that tool in your toolbox. Right. And I think everyone is like constantly learning about diet. And I don't even know if any of us are, will for sure be carnivores forever, even though like we're very confident we are saying that, like, you know, like, you know, life happens and everything's more complicated than it might seem like, yes, I think everyone should consider it. Um, I think that, in actuality, not everyone is going to commit to doing it forever because there there are pros and cons to everything. And like, although for some of us the the pros definitely outweigh the cons, we can also imagine scenarios where the cons outweigh the pros if you value other things. You know, at that point, like if all your friends are also unhealthy and everyone's just kind of used to that kind of feeling, and you're so convinced that it's the status quo and it's always been that way and you've also done enough diets to know that dieting in general doesn't work you're feeling pretty unmotivated so like i i totally understand the mindset that people get trapped in that's why i've been such a strong supporter of keto because it seems like this amazing ability to like restrict that hunger and finally control your hormones and to kind of turn people from like irrational, hungry little like sugar rabbits into calm, like intermittent feasting, like carnivorous apes that, yes. you know, really kind of match like the lifestyle we evolved. No, I was just, you know, something Travis was saying just made me have this picture in my mind is like, we're like these faculty, faculty of carnivores. And, and if you go back 20,000 years ago or whatever, we come across a, a berry bush in the fall and now that berry bush is there year round right next to our campsite and our everything in our instinct and our genes is telling us to eat every berry because it's going to snow soon and we're around that all the time and that's very hard to resist all the way down in your your being you know Mm -hmm. um now it's you know donuts and whatever everywhere you know so it's something that when you do this and you get that baseline, like Travis was saying, like, and you know how it makes you feel and you know, it's the ultimate tool that if you do stray or you do have this here and there, you have berries in the fall, you know, or whatever that is for you. um, Then you know where to go back to, to get right. And I think that would be a minimum for everyone to do. I would hope that Mm -hmm. someday we'll be in that place, you know, but it's going to be hard. It's simple, but not, not easy. 
Yeah, one thing I wanted to kind of relay is, um, you know, I agree with everything you guys are saying. And um, with Brett, when you're saying, you know, if you were to kind of come off, come off it and then come back on, you don't know if it'll work for sure. And the same way, um, I have clients that have that same issue. So they did carnivore kind of went off it and the foods that made them feel their best no longer were working. And some of it can be there's like underlying gut issues that are having certain bacteria and yeast um, grow and, you know, cause like mental, um, I guess, symptoms. But sometimes when we veer off too far and then come back, there is a risk that it may just not work the same. Um, another thing is that, for example, for women, when, you know, they eat a certain amount of meat, and then they have lost weight, but then they get frustrated that they get stuck. So then they eat more food, um, like carby foods, and then they come back and try to eat the same, their metabolic rate kind of gets destroyed a little bit more. And so that same meat no longer works the same. So I, I do also think that when you eat like high fat, low carb, and then you keep going back to like high carb and low ish fat, um, that kind of constant imbalance in your homeostasis will also affect your like metabolic health and all that. And that's a risk factor. So when I see a lot of people eating ketogenic for five days and then two days off, I think, yes, maybe for some people that are working out enough, maybe they're burning enough of the sugars, but there's also a risk of your, you know, like if you eat too many carbs and high fat, you can risk heart disease, right? But so if there's some days you aren't eating that way, and then some days you are, I think there's a risk of um, metabolic disease that you can actually get from kind of going each way. It's just like, figure which way you want to go and for the long term, because that'll probably be more beneficial for your health. In general, um, one question that I often get is, it's hard for people to stick to this long term. So what are some of the things that really make you guys successful? I know one of the things that has come up already is that, you know, eat to satiety, eat enough meat. Um, but, you know, are there any other kind of tips and tricks that you guys have seen along your journey talking to other carnivores? Um, Brett, if you want to start, like just tips in general to help you stay carnivore. Uh, it's I haven't seen any tips necessarily. I just, it just seems to me like when people set their ego off to the side they seem to do better at this there's what not the i want not the i want okay. i want itis i want to i want to do carnivore and i want to feel this way and i want to do carnivore this way instead of just i i learned to do how to do this from the folks at zeroing in on hell i i followed their directions i never questioned them because they've been doing it for years. What did I know? I was a guitar player. I was, I was a psycho guitar player trying to not be psycho anymore. And so I just, I, I threw my ego in the trash. This is all I got to do to not be crazy anymore? I'm, oh, my gosh. That's simple. Depression is hard. Anxiety is hard. This is easy. I mean, this is so simple. And, and I think the biggest problem that people have is getting their mindset changed. You know, we've had that programming pounded into us from day one of our existence, you know, balanced meal, breakfast and most important, all those fallacies and things that we just know were not true. And even after you get well, I think it's hard for some people to completely disabuse themselves of that programming, to wipe it. And I'm just fortunate that I'm able to. I know I'm, I, I'm an outlier among outliers in that way, I guess. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't trade anything for the world to change it or do anything different.
It's powerful. Chris? I think, like Brett was saying, you got to make a choice. And each person's going to come from a different place with that. You know, for Brett, it was mental health things, you know. And for me, it was, you know, metabolic health and, and weight and that sort of thing. And I think of it like drugs, you know, like you hit rock bottom. And I hit rock bottom and I needed to quit. And, you know, that ro that road is not easy and what it comes with. And you make that decision, you know, and you have to commit. And it just has to be your way of life. And most people I find that, you know, ask me about it or they see me, they haven't seen me in a while. Oh, how'd you do it? You know, and you start to give them a little bit, you know, you don't want to drop too much on them right away. And they just look at you like, well, I can never do that. And they can't. So I wouldn't even bother, you know, that person's not going to get there unless, you know, mainstream science tells them this is what you're supposed to do, which that's not going to happen. We all know that. Or they hit rock bottom. You know, and I think many of the people in this community that are coming here are at rock bottom. You know, and we get those spikes, you know, when Joe Rogan, you know, might be some gym bros or some people that want to like feel better or whatnot, but they probably won't stick around. You know, it's the people that hit rock bottom that don't ever quit, you know? And so the first advice I'd say to somebody, you know, is, are you ready? Is it, are you ready to commit to something, you know, that that's going to take, it's very simple and easy in a way, but it's also hard in a way to, to let all that go. And, um, and then after, you know, once they do get into it, tips to sticking with it, you, you, people talk about it being boring and one note and all this, you know, find what you like, find different methods of cooking, different ways of seasoning, different cuts of meat, different animals, different things, you know, find all these things, you know, and every day is a new adventure on, on how to, how to make it, how to prepare it, um, hone your cooking skills and make, have fun with it, you know, come to the community, you know, meet people like this, like you watch your videos and, and you know, listen to podcasts and, and dive into that world and make it, make it something more than just like the, the mouth adventure of eating, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know what else I can say. You guys said so much great stuff. Um, I really think like establishing that mindset in the beginning is really core. Uh, it, it, carnivore is just so out there, right? So a lot of people come in they hear a couple of the good things and then they haven't really thought about all the bad things that would stop them to do it. Um, or like they haven't thought about all like the, the parts they were always told, like they need like fiber or something. And then they like get around to that, like too late into it. And then they like kind of doubt their own confidence and then they falter. Um, so just like really spend the time like soaking in this material. I think all of us have done a really good job, like, making that material available and i think it's different than what the consensus is and in order to understand that you're gonna have to spend time like understanding our point of view and not just listening to the anecdotes but trying to understand a little bit of the science and why like we're more than just you know confident that experience alone is what matters i mean we we've studied a lot of pieces of this part you know you know this whole puzzle and like Finally, I think the carnivore movement is able to piece together all the things we we knew all along. Like we weren't able to really understand, like explain, like why some humans have such you know strong acidic stomach acid uh, acid compared to like other mammals. Like if you enter in that facultative carnivory 
hypothesis, it makes a lot of things make sense. So I think you are basically now able to test out that hypothesis with your own body and see if it's true yourself. Um, I, I'm leaning that that's like where, what humans kind of are, but I'm not sure I can prove it like objectively, but that might be like my life's work more or less because I've been like Googling that for like the last two years and I, you know, I just try and make carnivore fun by like continually learning, continually growing um, and then sharing. I, I love finding content and then regurgitating it by adding a little more information and making it a little easier to share and getting out the core concept. You know, I, I think the core concept of the carnivore is keep it simple, um, plan ahead and just uh, be confident in this diet that you've chosen. You know, I always tell my clients and people that follow my work um, that we really need to figure out our why. And as we sit down before this diet, there should be some prep work or lifestyle um, change. Uh, we should think about, you know, what are all the ailments we have now and that why we want to change? And then what can this new lifestyle bring to us? You know, visualize how your life would be without all these sugar addictions and food addictions. We need therapy. Yes. That's oh, what it 100%. is. We, we need to spend 20 to 30 minutes on every like beginning introduction of health and to think about like, how would it help my life if I changed my habits and changed my nutrition and lost 100 pounds and stopped that, you know, diabetic neuropathy in my feet that like hurts every day. I mean, people just don't even consider the possibilities. And like, that's why I think I, I've put so much work in the carnivore is because it makes me think miracles are possible. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't really think it was possible before. But now I have, like, a fairly easy step-by-step -step process I can stick anyone on, and miracles occur. Um, and, you know, it's just, like, an amazing thing. Yes, I think, um, you know, going back to how a lot of us use like sugar and carbs as maybe a scapegoat or an emotional tool. Um, that's where I think this whole therapy we're figuring out. I mean, even if you're a carnivore for years and years, I mean, you know, I can attest it to myself. Um, if I don't fix my habits with food, my relationship with food, it'll come back in some way, maybe not, never as extreme as, you know, eating carbs and sugar, but you have to heal that relationship with food. And I think carnivore is a great way to do it because you will have the most nutrient dense foods in your body. And then you can work on healing like, Oh, I didn't realize I turned to food for this reason. Well, now I need to figure out a coping mechanism for those times mm. when I'm really angry. And I've said this a few times um, lately, but you know, I'll run down the street. If I feel high anxiety for certain cravings, instead of white knuckling it, maybe we need to release that energy in us. And then to um, Travis's point, I think if, we are not um, really informed about this diet and we're just like on a whim, okay, I'm going to start carnivore on Monday. It's not going to work because time in and time again, I see that if you are not really invested, you don't believe in the science, it is so easy to get knocked down by this lifestyle. People are going to ask about, well, where are you getting your vitamin C? What about fiber? 
you need all the butyrate, you know, you need all these things. And then once you start doubting it yourself, it is so easy to fall off this lifestyle. You need to like everyone's saying, you need to build community around it that will applaud what you're doing when you're struggling instead of yeah, it's the diet, get off this meat diet, it's not going to work. Instead, reach out to communities, reach out to zeroing in on health or world carnivore tribe on Facebook and ask, Hey guys, I'm going through this. Is this normal? What's going on? And you'll have people that are on the same page with you to tell you, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Um, but you know, definitely do your research, listen to podcasts. There's so many inspiring stories and even the science behind it as to, you know, even organic plants, not being the most ideal. I talk about this in my upcoming book that plants have toxins, but actually so do organic plants so much so that there are some organic toxins that now they're making in the labs because it works that bad. Yes, it works that well to, you know, destroy the non-plants. Um, Biochemistry is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, there's, it's just, um, yes, just because it's organic doesn't mean it's all safe, right? So more to come. Um, and then uh, we'll talk about glyphosate and all these things. But you know, again, do your research and there's enough like scientific evidence out there, um, nutritional information about why meat is the most nutrient dense and bioavailable food. You know, as we're closing, uh, where can people find you guys and where can we find more information? I know Travis, maybe if you want to start, you can talk a little bit about Reddit, maybe World Carnivore Tribe. I think that's the biggest community of carnivores. Yeah, right. So um, there's many options if you want to get involved in social media. Um, you can, most people are on Facebook. There's a bunch of great Facebook groups out there. Um, Brad has already mentioned Zeroing In On Health, which is one I joined originally. Um, and then Principia Carnivora is also great with some other long-term carnivores. And then World Carnivore Tribe is the one that Sean started about two and a half years ago. And that is almost at 50,000 members. Um, so it kind of works better as like a high growth kind of group. Um, whereas I really do respect like the zeroing in on health group as like, these are the veterans, these guys know best. And there's really like no wishy washy, like, like tone in that group. Um, so those are the main <laughs> Facebook groups. Um, but there's many more and there's, they all are split up in different ways and find the kind of kinds of mods and kind of kinds of groups you like. Um, and then in terms of Reddit, Reddit works really well if you want to have like an anonymous account where you can kind of share some of the extra secrets. Um, I kind of use it as like a public account. So I like link it to my Twitter and I don't mind being associated with it. Um, but Reddit basically just works as like there's these subtopics dedicated to, to different groups and you post links or text or images. Um, and it, each tech, each, each post gets uploaded and downloaded. And then there's comments that also get uploaded and downloaded. So you can kind of keep track really well of like all the, all the conversations going on. And it's a little more organized than Facebook or Twitter, which is just like chaos at all times. Um, and then the cool thing is, so there's a couple subreddits dedicated to this lifestyle. One is called R zero carb. Um, and that's kind of got like the zeroing in on health kind of tone. Um, we're pretty strict. Um, I'm one of the mods there. So definitely read the rules if you come and join and um, kind of be aware that what, you know, what zero card means. It's really a carnivore diet. We're really not talking about plants really at all. And it's very kind of strict in that kind of mindset. But there's other 
carnivore subreddits like carnivore diet and carnivore that are like modded a little less strictly. And then we have um, our keto science, which is um, a subreddit I mostly work on. And I, well, we all post basically like the latest keto science we find. And that means basically any study that kind of has like a low carb diet arm. Um, but because keto now is kind of so big and carnivore has grown so much as well, we basically cover every science piece of this puzzle that there is, you know? So if you have like a study just about like changing fiber amounts in your diet, that's still like an interesting thing for us because we're cutting fiber out entirely. Right. right. So there's like, there's a lot of like kind of science out there that can kind of, we can piece all together. So um, keto science, definitely check that out. So the idea is like you just check it every morning and then you see like the new articles, you click the comments, you read, you kind of try and understand the gist. And then if you're interested, you can read the full text. Um, we try and paste like the full URL, the full PDF or the full science thing and try and give you as much of an interpretation as you want. And we want people to get involved and like give back. And um, the final thing is I recently started this thing called Zotero and I did a walkthrough on it with um, Black Carnivore. Uh, her name is Edie um, and it's on her YouTube channel. But I, I basically walk through how Reddit works and then I walk through how Zotero works. And Zotero is basically just a reference database that you click on science articles and it saves it to a database. So I've been building that for the last month and it's 8,000 items right now all across keto and carnivore and anthropology and all sorts of different things. So if you're, if you want, if you've got time to kill during the uh, epidemic, the pandemic, um, look up keto science database and help me get, help get involved with that. And um, yeah, that's all for me. I'm Travis underscore Statham at Twitter. And uh, I'll link can, to all of these um, in the show notes as well. Sure. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at thankful.carnivore. I spend a lot of time there. I also have a YouTube channel called Thankful Carnivore. And uh, you can find me on Facebook at uh, Thankful Carnivore. And uh, on Twitter, I'm Stickman Bleeding. That's S-T-I-C-K-M-A-N-B-L-E-E-D-I-N. And uh, you have any questions, just want to come by and say hi. I'm, I, I love to talk to people. I love to, to help newbies very much. I want to see anybody who's got a desire to take control of their own health. I want to, I want to help them be successful at that. Come see me. Um, Chris J. Spath on Instagram. I'm on Facebook and everything, but that's Chris. My Instagram is pretty much where if you want to reach out or check out any of my stuff, um, that would be the place to go. And I'll also, I mean, Chris, you've been on a lot of podcasts, so I'll include those links for those podcasts as well if people want to hear more about your journey. Thank you. Okay. I also, I forgot my my website is uh, carneyway.nyc. Um, I basically tried to, like, make a database for it, and I'm actually thinking about moving that data to meet our ex now so that we can kind of share it. So, um, uh, yeah, carneyway.nyc, and that's also my Instagram. Okay. And I'll link to that again too. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm sure this is, will be helpful, especially to the males that have been asking for a group session. Well, thank you guys so much. And I will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Thanks, thank you. Bye. Thank you. All right. I hope that this video was helpful for you. I hope you guys realize that carnivore is not always the same for everyone. 
in this video you know Chris says that fasting does benefits for him sometimes Travis uses it as a tool but for Brett it does not work at all you know they eat different cuts of meat um, some eat fattier than others the point is you have to find what carnivore works for you and works for you as a lifestyle carnivore is such a healing diet and it will do wonders for you if you can stick to it for at least a hundred days okay guys you know the drill make sure to eat a lot of meat take care of your body because it is the only place you have to live i will talk to you guys soon take care bye Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.